welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. Hey Sam, how are we doing? I'm good, I'm good mate, thank you. Awesome, welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. So I guess you were one of the few, well, one of the original voices within the, the um, learning network which we created way back yeah. in probably around about two years ago, I think. So I guess before we even jump in and get started, a couple of random questions. Question one, so when you got asked in school what you wanted to be when you grow up, what 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 was your answer, what you said to him? I, I always said uh, I wanted to be an architect. Okay. Um, so I think I used to say an architect before I understand or understood what an architect was. Um, so I would just say that's what I wanted to be. But then that's what I ended up doing in, in high school and then in sixth form for my work experience. Um, and it was that experience where I decided I didn't want to be an architect anymore. All right. Um, so... I always thought kind of I had this grand image of it right when I was when I was younger so you were designing airports and skyscrapers and all of this kind of you know big commercial developments all of this kind of stuff and and in reality what 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 seems to sort of happen a lot is that you may be you may be doing a, a an extension for for somebody's house or you're doing a refurb of a of a weather spoons or whatever um and I was like, this doesn't seem so much fun. Because um, kind of always wanted to just do something that was fun. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, architecture was kind of right up until I had exposure to being an architect was, was always what I wanted to do. It's okay. So I asked before we even jump on this podcast, I asked for people to kind of sum up who they are, their logline, what they're about. Um, can you remember what, what you said, what your logline was? Uh, I can roughly. It was it was it was something about sort of my life being a cycle of of testing. Um, so like proving myself wrong, or sometimes proving myself stupid, laughing at what I previously thought was a brilliant idea, uh, sometimes to the disappointment or the dismay of of other people, um, and then devising another experiment to test whether or not I've got any less stupid. Um, <laughs> so that that was that's kind of. That's that's what I like to do. Really, is is kind of. Uh, I think some somebody somebody recently, maybe it was in the network. Actually, I think they shared a quote that that said something like, "If you don't look back in twelve months' time and laugh at yourself, you haven't learned enough." Um, and and I kind of believe in that. And it, it's it's um, you know probably three four years ago that that wouldn't have been what I'd have written down if you'd have asked me that question. Um, I think it had been more trying to to. Um, almost trying to trying to prove myself right really um uh look, looking for evidence of all of the things that i've done working but actually kind of what, what i'm all about now is trying to prove myself wrong or, or or um trying to trying to break things to see if they stand up to to rigor and testing in real life um and that's kind of you know it's play and and just having a crack at something and seeing if it works, changing your mind if you got something wrong. Um, that's that's really what I'm all about. Cool. So I'd love that. It's kind of like a very, very fail fast approach. Try it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, let's adapt. Let's try it again. That's it. So that's I, it. I think... and, and again, mate, that is, that's learning from or, 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 a, a lot of these sort of 
a lot of the things I've done before where you, where you do sort of the typical development of a solution for for maybe for a whole organization a learning sort of performance solution and you do this sort of um hidden design phase and then you launch it to the business in a, in a sort of massive way sort of this is the next big thing this is going to be brilliant this is going to change your life and then when you realize it doesn't all you do is try to gloss over the fact that 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 um that it didn't work so you'll go out there and look for the evidence of of things working trying to you know confirmation bias and all that kind of stuff kicks in you see things that aren't really there rather than um as you say fail fast fail cheap yeah. um l- learn from it and, and 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 build something successful in small iterations yeah definitely i had um i had a really good debate it's probably not a conversation debate which whatever you want to call it and it was a conversation about i'll i'll keep the company's name out of it but we're designing this this big massive program this rollout program and yet we're not yeah. putting a pilot together and like how 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 can you even do that in fact we shouldn't even be getting to a pilot stage before we even try it anyway but, but yeah exactly but why how are you rolling out a program without even doing the very basic of a beginner's pilot and i just yeah. think so for me, that's normal. But I just think, under how many people, how many other companies don't do this? Yeah. This, this is quite a, and, uh, quite a big company, but what, yeah. don't do it. But and, and I find, mate, that it's, that even within the same organisation, it will play itself out differently. So I think there's a lack of, of testing and iteration, particularly in, in HR, in learning, in OD. Um, but but quite often, and I, mean, I know this is not across the board, but but in IT, that they very rarely bring in a system or an update to a system without end-user testing, without people, it's or without having a test environment in the first place. But you know, in the same organisation, they'll take something that is maybe about culture or about performance or a significant shift in people's mindset or capabilities and they'll throw that out into the organization with no testing whatsoever with no design thinking whatsoever without working with the organization and properly working with the organization to develop a solution in the first place so it's a bit like why 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 in in IT or or product development or whatever are, are we testing and iterating and and then in 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 HR and L and D, it's kind of we'll design the solution in the background, and then we'll just throw throw it out there. Um, is uh, I find it a bit weird, actually. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. I think you know you look at any of your stages, your alpha, beta, your golds, and stuff like that. But even just look at a modern day app, version one point one, version one point one point two, one point three. It's like this is a normal, but yet. Give it something what's like cultural, or maybe it's a management workshop, or insert whatever program or whatever you want to do, and it's like boom, there's your one, yeah. there's your one program what fits all, and I'm like mm, no, that that kind of is completely wrong. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so before we even get into it, so I need you to pick four numbers from one to a hundred for me, just random numbers, please, Sam. Okay, uh, let's go uh, thirteen. Yeah. Uh, 23. Okay. Uh, 30. Yeah. And 75. Awesome. We'll come back to these near the end anyway. Cool. So, Sam, I know, I've known you probably around about two years, um, which is a bit of a weird relationship what we've got going on because we've never actually met face to face. This is, this is true. Yeah. It, it's, it's really strange, but we speak quite a lot. So, 
I kind of get this, you know, I kind of know you from what I know of you. But what, what about kind of the people out there who don't know Sam? Maybe give us a bit of a brief overview of who you are, what you do. Cool. Um, so I am an organizational development consultant. At the moment, I work for um, uh, for an educational charity, so uh, not not for profit sector. Um, all, all the time I've worked in learning and organisational development, I've been in not for profit organisations, uh, higher education, social housing. Um, but before that, I'd, I'd worked in in well, I've done all kinds of stuff really. Um, but private private sector mostly, and and I actually I graduated uh, as from university as a product designer. Um, or what I thought was a product designer anyway. Actually, what I realized is I'd graduated with a product design degree, uh, and, and that piece of paper does not make you a product designer. Um, so I've, I've done all kinds of stuff um, in, in design, testing my hand and trying to find my way, graphics, um, a bit of web stuff, interior design, um, worked as a, as a project manager in an in a, in agency. Um, and eventually, I kind of um, unexpectedly uh, landed in learning and development in in a, in a not-for-profit housing provider, um, and that's that's kind of that was my first uh, learning and development role, um, and and then sort of progressed over what would that have been seven almost eight years now. Uh, now working more in organisational development and sort of focusing on on performance. Um, and that's kind of how I got how I got to where I am now. Arguably, now um, touching on on the conversation we just had before you asked this question, uh, probably using more design principles, more design thinking now than I ever did when I worked uh, in design. Um, which is which is a, a, a little bit well, it's kind of serendipitous. It's pretty cool as well um, to 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 still be able to exercise those kind of muscles that I developed at university and then and then sporadically in that time afterwards, um, just in a completely different context. So um, that's probably that's probably me in terms of what what I do and how I got there in a, in a nutshell. Okay, so again, one of the common themes which I'm seeing quite a lot really is people falling into L&D without having a direct, I don't know, let's use the word career path, career path. but a lot of people just tend to fall within L&D without knowing they're falling into it and it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, a, an area which they don't know exists until they join a company. But that was my experience as well, to be honest. I fell in, yeah. into L&D and luckily I had a great experience within within two, three days of working within learning and development. I knew that's that's where I wanted to go. But how, how, so you say you fell within L&D, kind of, without um, knowing you were doing it. What, I, what, I did, yeah, what got very, you very similar, really. So what what got you excited when you, like, what made you go, actually, L&D is something what I'm, I quite fancy the idea of? Um. So it was, yeah, it was, it was similar to, 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 to your experience where after a couple of days or a couple of weeks, I started to think, do you know what, I could, I could really... I could get used to this. This, this, this could, this could be a, a, a genuine uh, career path. And and some of that meant was was um, some of it was me want me wanting that, wanting more stability. So I'd 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 not been um, successful by by my own definition of success in in the design industry. Um, 
a lot of trying and a lot of effort, but but it kind of hadn't worked out in the way I wanted it to. So some of it was wanting um, something more stable and something I could kind of I could really call my own. Um, but but also something that that was um, at its heart creative, and 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 that required me to think. Um, and I, I guess kind of one of the things that that has always really got me excited and and gets me energized is is solving problems particularly if the problems are quite complex uh, particularly if, if they are um if they involve people and there's no right answer so i've always kind of considered that that we have problems as people and, and as organizations that are either puzzles or mysteries um and it's those mysteries that i really kind of like um to 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 get into so you know how 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 do you shift the the, the culture of an organization if if that's what the organization wants and needs how do you uh change people's mindsets how do you increase specific capabilities so an organization can survive uh in the future all of this kind of stuff that's that's what gets me going um and i think i found that in in L&D where i've not found it in in design um dis- you know, being a designer hadn't hadn't worked out in the in the way I'd wanted to, um, and um, I think L and D gave me gave me something that I was something that was missing, okay. um, and something that I found exciting. So it was it was very similar. But maybe maybe not after two or three days, but certainly after after a month or so, I thought kind of this this could really be for me. Okay, so you went from I think you mentioned you was a learn development officer and through a little bit of stalking, but in the best possible way, you know, looking yeah. at your LinkedIn profile. Um, you went from, was it Stockport Homes? So you went from it a one, and then now you're in um, a OD consultancy role. I guess from yeah. that point to where you are now, is anything what you've learned within the different industries, if you like, where you've took something from one industry and brought it maybe into where you are now? So maybe you took something from Stockport, Stockport Homes and brought it into where you're into now. Is any little things what you've noticed or speak maybe it's even things where you thought actually i'm not doing that um there's been a lot of those i, th- I think i think the one thing i've learned doing this is is actually the 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 harm that can be done or the risk uh that you place on yourself and on the organization by sort of doing that lift and shift um, so sort of taking, oh, well, I did this successfully in this organization. Sure, I'll just pick it up and dump it in this one. Um, and it does, it, you know, maybe it doesn't work. It, 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 um, you know, culturally, it's a bad fit for the organization. Or maybe actually it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem that really exists. So one of the things I think I've learned is not to just um, sort of blindly t- take something that worked in another organization and, and dump it in the one that you're working in now. Um, e- even if that is sort of about, um, you know, this sort of there's a, there's a bit of a what would you call it like a benchmarking virus? I think particularly in, in not-for-profit organisations and certainly in the housing sector where they all compare themselves to each other and often they're comparing themselves to each other only based on on what I would call sort of a surface truth. So. They base those comparisons between their organizations on a glossy, um, almost marketing message. So one organization telling another, here's what we're brilliant at. 
Um, and, and actually what they do is they don't get underneath the surface. They'll take something back to their organization, copying it, and it, and it won't be successful. Um, and sometimes that's purely because we haven't um, sort of dived under the surface enough um, to understand how things really work or, or to understand whether we're asking the right questions in the first place. Okay. Um, and I think that, that, was, that was one of my big learns um, moving from one organization to, to another. So at Stockport Homes, I was there for about six years, um, which for me was a long time to work in one, one organization. And I think perhaps uh, that, that, that was one of those things that I did, I did take with me was, was to beware of, of comparison. Um, and whether, whether that is some um, self-proclaimed thought leader or guru or whatever who's written a book and says, this is how we did it at X organization, you should do the same. Or whether it's going out there and looking at, oh, well, look at what, look at what these, look at what these guys are doing. That was really exciting. I want a little piece of that for this organization. Um, when actually some of that stuff can be useful, but only if you've if you've defined the problem and you understand the need. Yeah, no, exactly. What, what that that was that was a big that was a big thing for me like, to really learn. And some of that was obviously was was learning it the hard way, but by, by not defining the problem. And and I used to uh, quite often fall into the trap of of providing solutions that people in the organisation wanted, not what they actually need. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You mentioned a few things there, like one of them straight away, magpie syndrome. So that's that's kind of what I call it, magpie yeah. syndrome. It's like, oh, there's a shiny new thing, and I want that, and it's it's got to be fit for purpose. And it, sorry, it's got to be it's got you know, I want a bit of that thing over there, and I want to bring it in. And yeah, it's I think, and then you you make you you referenced you know about someone creating a book, and this is kind of the reason why. As much as I am in learning development, I can't, I'm slowly but surely coming away from that title. Um, and it's not because I'm doing other things. It's just because I, I don't want that title. Um, yeah. I think learning development now is... I don't associate myself to learning development that much. Um, and maybe it's just because I don't like 90% of the stuff that goes on in learning development. Um, I know it sounds quite kind of cliche well it kind of sounds odd considering i'm doing a podcast on it um but yeah it's really interesting and don't even get me started on the people who's releasing the book that's just a whole different story um same people who are releasing the same books who are doing the same talks at the same events and actually they're talking about the younger generations of people or whatever you want to call it yet across the table there's not a single younger person there who, who has a unique set of values and uh-huh. who has their own opinion, which will have value to it. It's just, yeah, it's a bit disheartening. It's probably more. It, it is, it is. And, and this book, and that, this is like a sort of, for me, mate, it's like what you describe. It's like a macro version of what can happen in an organization. You know, it's, it's the same thing. We have all of these different perspectives. And a lot of the time I find that so, uh, L&D particularly is trying to create one version of the truth. Yeah. Um, when, when actually that doesn't exist. I, I forgive me. I can't. I can't quote who said this. I'll, it may have been Anne Lamott who said it, but reality is unforgivingly complex. And mm. and 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 if it's unforgivingly complex, what we've got to understand is is that we're going to have. 
so many different perspectives and versions of the truth in our organization and it's about inviting those perspectives into, into the conversation it's about giving them an opportunity to shape whatever it is we're shaping back to piloting and iteration again it's 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 not you know it's about distributed decision making and 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 putting power in the right places in an organization all all of this kind of stuff but but generally you know in the organization it's it's the same uh paradigm as as the as the book launch yeah that you just mentioned that that quite often still um power and control and knowledge is 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 seen to uh belong in 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 very specific and too few places in an organization so we just inadvertently disenfranchise people i think i find i find that a lot i i obviously i can't speak for you man just going on what, what you said before about sort of some of the disillusionment with L and wanting to disassociate yourself a bit with with that title but it, i can i kind of i kind of get that in L and D a lot it's all still that knowledge sits in one place. It's almost like we own knowledge. L and D owns knowledge in the organisation, and our job is just to dish it out to everybody else. Yeah. Um, in the sort of the blind belief that either a they need to know the stuff that we know, or b they don't already know far more and 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 are and, and are more successfully applying things um, because of their own experiences and and and, and their ability. Yeah. Um, I, I just think yeah it's weird it's it's interesting as well because I just think one there's another bolt onto that you know or they don't know where to seek out that information when they need it anyway you know you, you talk about you know they, they, the people in power let's call them have all the knowledge and they force it out and two maybe you know they don't know the people you let's call it teaching but like who you're training up don't know more than you anyway but there's another yeah. point to say well actually even if you don't know where it is even if you don't know what it is, we know how to find it. It's literally that simple to find 90% yeah, of information yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- yeah, like te- technology changed that dimension completely. It, you know, that the knowledge sits in either senior positions or these, these L&D positions. And it's, yeah, it's completely uh, diff- different dynamic now. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is not, is still not um, acknowledged often and kind of obviously when I sort of when I say L and D before I'm talking about the still predominantly course delivery yeah. um mo- model um approach that, that still seems pretty prevalent. Yeah and I just think what state is L and D gonna be in in five to ten years time when all these older people who are releasing books I use older people, I don't mean it like, you know, ninety years old, I just mean the people who have been in the industry for, for a while. What happens when yeah. these leave the industry? Where where's it going to be then? Because right now I can't see any true company, organization, or whatever you want to call it, going. Actually, these are the new up and comers. These are the these are the people who have got the new ideas. You know, we add value to things like reverse mentoring. We add value to that, but yet we don't yeah. add value to having these so-called younger audience as voices of, I don't know, insert name, whichever, whichever yeah. company you want. Yeah. So. And it's it's a hard one to to sort of think about it how you how you how you change that. I think it's like what we there needs to be a sort of, there, need, there needs to be something new. You know, a lot of the sort of the awards and and all of this kind of stuff that that people will will get be submitted for and and even even in organisations 
or across organisations, across sectors, I sometimes think that like these awards night awards nights people go to, and and they're normally based off a nicely crafted, well articulated um, award submission. Yeah. Not really how 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 brilliant the the intervention or the innovation was. Um, same with a lot of the individual ones. I sometimes think that those things actually sort of breed mediocrity rather than 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 finding where where the true innovation is is within a within a sector or within a particular field. And I and I don't know I don't know the answer. It's just it's interesting sort of what you say in in terms of who 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 are the people who are who are kind of make, making making the mischief and, and I'm careful with this word but but sort of disrupting yeah, um, yeah. what's going on but actually having success with it they're, they're sometimes the stories that we're missing right you, you, we, when when something that was done that, that broke an old way of doing something and it but it was and it was really successful uh, even even if the outcomes were, were not expected if they were opportunistic or emergent it's that kind of stuff that I would love to, to, to hear more about. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, and a lot of the time, as much as people won't like to admit it, it also is a popularity contest. It literally can, you can go as basic as that. You know, you have these, yeah. these beautiful crafted, um, you know, forms, these, these things what they've sent in to say, this is how good I really am. One, they probably haven't written that up themselves and they've had so many pair of eyes go over it and change it. It's completely different to what the original was, anyway. Yeah. And two, I just, I just think even even then, I truly don't believe. I I question whether these awards how how can you, how can you benchmark, you know. I did. Um, I've done. I've done a few different judges for a different, you know, different kind of orgs and like whatever, whatever you want to call them, countries, whatever. Yeah. And. I've yet to see a benchmark scoring sheet. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like the rigidness of scoring, but I do like yeah. the idea of being able to benchmark from one person to the next. And I just think we're doing, we're judging people, but how are we benchmarking them? There's no, yeah. there's none of this to say this is the criteria what they've got to hit. Yeah, you're just sending a nice application form. Yeah, it's how it's how nice is the submission? How well is it written? Yeah. And they're not authentic, are they? Most of the time, no. like you say, that, that, that someone else will have polished it. And to be honest, an organisation that I used to work for that, that I won't I won't name that this this was their thing, right? Winning awards, and they had a team of people. They were so good at writing award submissions. Yeah, they were they were really good at it. But actually, when you sort of looked at the organisation, then for sort of what what that did. So this there was this attribution bias towards success. Because they, everybody sees how many awards we win that they're sort of rammed down people's throats. It's almost the most important thing that we that we should be talking about is which awards can we apply for next. And and actually, there are a lot of people in that organisation who had two jobs, and one job was their actual job, the the, the one that they we 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 hope they enjoy. Um, or, or that they do enjoy and they want to get on with that's going to help make a difference. And the other one, the other job was covering their own arse yeah. and, and hiding the fact that they'd made, they'd made a mistake because because failure is absolutely not an option. You, you, you know, we, we couldn't we couldn't talk about that word. In fact, I heard a director say that to, to a huge room of people. Failure is not an option. And actually, you see, 
you know, you can sort of see people there that with every day we make mistakes and and we'll get things wrong or, you know, we're, we're, even to the point where in that organisation they would have an outcome, they didn't achieve it, so they'd change the outcome. Wow. They'd write it differently and you just sort of think, what bullshit is that? Yeah. That we would we would change the description of the outcome because we didn't achieve it rather than put our hands up and say we cocked up. Yeah. It didn't work. And that was kind of, you know, I'm not saying that that only came from from these award submissions, but that was such a huge part of it. It's this, like, inauthenticity and, and hubris, you know, that the, there was such little humility. Um, people, people being able to say, I made a mistake and this is what I learned from it, that, that, that it was caused significant harm to the organization, really. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's bizarre that people hide their failures. I'm a big believer of failure, you know. And fundamentally, this is, this is how we learn. We learn, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And this is what I've learned. Maybe next time I'll look across the road before I step out into the road. Yeah. Do you know, it's, it's very basic like that. And you see, you see this a lot with surveys. Or you can tweak your questions to, to swindle what you want the survey to show. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And don't you find that this happens a lot in sort of L&D, um, yes. you know, learning trends research and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. That really, when you dig underneath the surface, what the survey proves is that people can select a number of options when, 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 when they're put in front of their face. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's not you, really about what they want or how people learn. It's, it's here were the options that we gave them and these are the ones they picked. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like that whole thing when you put a button in front of someone and says, do not press. The urge for you yeah. to press becomes a lot more. You you, you yeah. want to press it. And it's that thing of put some buttons in front of me and I'll tick whatever buttons you want me to tick. And yeah. there's, there's your feedback. Um, wow. So if we went off on a bit of a mad one there, which, which is really good. So we know a little we bit. Did, of, and there's probably, there's something fruitful there. I think man. There's, there's something that can be reinvented in terms of the way that, that, across learning and, and maybe an organizational development HR that we, that we, that we talk to each other and, 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 and share things, you know, without that polish, it's, yeah. it's a bit, I mean, it's the word that you mentioned, that you mentioned a few times. Um, it's, it's authenticity, isn't it? What we need are the authentic stories, um, about what, what organizations are doing, whether it's working or not. Yeah, exactly. And I will always take the side of a rough and tumble versus a polished pebble. Because yeah. the idea is the rough, rough and tumble is they've gone through that. They, you know, they're in the trenches. They've learned that anyone who comes to me goes, "This is my unique story, and this is this is a polished version of it." I'm like, mm, "There's a lot more to that story, but you're not telling me." Yeah. And why aren't yeah. you telling me? Why aren't you telling me about your failures? Why? Why is that? And it is. It's. Do you want to be authentic and go? Actually, I messed up there, and this is what I did. Or do you not want to tell anyone about them? And it's yeah. just. It's. It's. it's it's disheartening is probably the word I use quite a lot. It's disheartening. Um, yeah. So, Sam, tell me a bit about your personal life. Maybe tell us about your um, your take on your, ex, ex, well, I'll use it, experimenting with learning with your daughter, maybe? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Oh, well, this, this, I suppose, is relevant. It touches it, on a point that you were just making. So... Again, I, the rough, the rough and tumble thing, the, the 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 learning from experience, the the 
Um, and I, I really like how I think, and I think you're, you're familiar with Jürgen Apollo as well. In fact, I think you may have introduced me to Jürgen's work. Um, he, he, he says that, that you know, we, do, we shouldn't celebrate success or failure. We should celebrate the learning that comes from both. Um, and actually within that sort of thinking that the, the, the propensity, the chance, the chances of us learning something meaningful are heightened when the, 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 the chance for success and failure is 50-50. Um, so learning sort of through experiments and testing and making mistakes and, and, and talking about failures and all of that kind of stuff is, is something that I deeply believe in. But often I think sort of people um, will, will come back with the argument or the retort that it's too risky in an organisation. We can't experiment with things because we can't make mistakes. We need to be right. We've got to be perfect. And actually perfection, the need to be right and making mistakes is... It, you know, perfection doesn't exist. Um, we can't be right if the organisation is made up of hundreds, if not thousands, of different versions of the truth. And and actually, in terms of making mistakes, it's tough shit because we're making them all the time. Yeah. Um, often they're just swept under the carpet. Um, but but nevertheless, it's it's often thought of as being too risky. Um, but actually, sort of in 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 life one of the things that I've sort of realized about experiments and that I often talk about in terms of them being high risk is, is uh, my, my daughter um, has been uh, type one diabetic since she was uh, 10 months old. Um, so she, she was, she was diagnosed really young uh, and uh, so young in fact to have type one diabetes that um, the hospital were, were, were unsure about how to, to treat her initially, how to bring down her blood sugars, how to flush out ketones from her body, all of this kind of stuff, because it's completely unfamiliar. Um, and actually, without going into it massively, the, the, what myself and my wife have to do really to, to manage Ivy's diabetes is a, is, is a series of, of short experiments. Um, We'll come up with a hypothesis that a change in in a, a carbohydrate to insulin ratio or uh, a, a decrease in background insulin will have a certain effect and, and the effect that we want. And then our our role then is is to test and whether that's right or wrong. Um, and and actually, it's the only way to manage the condition. Um, because even with brilliant technology, you can't get anywhere near the complexity and the sophistication of a human body. And, and um, actually, to, to to try and manage diabetes out of a book or from theory or or from from some advice on a website is 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 going to mean that you are unable to manage it successfully. Um, and ultimately, those sort of little experiments, sometimes they are life or death with a condition like type 1 diabetes. So often the argument that we can't experiment to learn in an organization because it's too risky, it kind of some, sometimes gets a little bit lost on me. Um, and, and actually, sort of, you can see it in the, the way that my wife has developed and learned and grown as as she's helping ivy to manage this this condition she's going to have for the rest of her life it's 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 immeasurably changed her ability with numbers like her, my, my wife's ability now with maths is so
so much better than it was before Ivy was diagnosed. All of these little experiments, tiny risks, measure, change, experiment, measure, change. Is We, we can do the same thing in, in, in organisations. It's actually just stop convincing ourselves that the risk is too great. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, th- these sometimes these things are the only real way to learn all all of the all of the medical knowledge and expertise in the world can't actually replace experiments as, as the way to manage the, the condition that my daughter has yeah Does that makes sense no no that, that makes perfect sense it's it literally is um little tweaks and it, it it's really insightful i think another thing which just popped to me when you were talking about it, i was just thinking whether your wife at any point used algebra to figure out that equation so that was my attempt at a joke there, Sam. The reason why I say this is because maths, for me, was never really a good subject for me, fundamentally. It yeah. never was. It it just never was. But if I need to know maths now in order to do my job, I'll learn it in a completely different way to how I learn it at school. And I'll learn it for the need of that job, not to learn the whole theory behind maths and all these other different aspects and these branch-off areas of um, of you know maths. But I just found it yeah. really interesting that you mentioned that your partner was, you know, she's got so much better at maths, and potentially yeah. she might not, she might not have been great at maths. I'm, you know, I'm making an assumption here, but over life, no, and she, over... she wasn't, she wasn't, but by, by her own admission, before Ivy was diagnosed, she was, she was not great at, right. at maths at all. But and exactly like you described, it's context, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's when, 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 when you've got that emotional connection to, to something is the that's the thing that makes it stick so so you know she went from you know would would even a relatively simple percentage she would use a calculator for to now doing pretty complex maths on the fly in her head working out the right amount of 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 insulin to give working that out within um, the parameters of different variables and all kinds of stuff that's going on in 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 the background like my daughter having a cold or catching a bug from school or whatever it might be. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff now is quite complicated and she's doing that on the fly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these things, you know, put, if you put context and experiments together, experimentation and testing, then it, it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's almost the most powerful ingredient for, for learning. Yeah. And it, it, it literally is, it comes down to that, you know, when you, even when you come down to designing and whatever, give me the bigger story. You know, a lot of times I think when you see and say, oh, they'll give you this is a date and this is what we need to change. Well, actually, no, let me have a look at the bigger picture. Let me see what else is going on here. And again, context, you know, wh- why Why is it you coming in with this when this over here is happening and this is actually more important? And I guess, with you know, with this, the um, example you mentioned, it li- with it being life and death, you need to know everything. You need to know what will happen if you go a bit, too far one way or a bit too low or whatever yeah it's um it sounds like a scary for me that would that would be pretty scary um but i would completely yeah i would i completely adapt yeah. to the situation at, at hand and that's it, it it's i mean it, it, again you know it's it's a great um it's a great illustration of 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 human capability to adapt when you've got that context because it was it is one i mean it still is terrifying really if you if you sort of think about it but certainly at the time when it happened 
and with her being so young, it was it was really really scary. And and a lot of people would say, oh, it will get easier as she grows up. And do you know what? It doesn't. It hasn't gotten any easier at all. But but what we have done is learn, and we've adapted, and we're far more proficient and 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 um, willing now to experiment and learn from those things and admit that actually you don't have a choice in, in a life and death situation. You don't have a choice but to admit that that something went wrong or or we made a mistake or whatever it might be um and and i think it's yeah it's a sometimes for me it's just that it's that illustration that in in organizations we convince ourselves that the risks are too great to to try and learn in this way um and actually a lot of the time you know can't speak for every organization in every situation but most of the time it's bullshit yeah it's just what we're telling ourselves to 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 because we 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 we're still comforted and and drawn to the educational model of learning that, that that there needs to be a teacher to tell you what to do you come away from your job you go back to it and and hopefully magically you'll do it better yeah uh, um, and it just doesn't work yeah it's it it's spot on i mean i've um there's a couple of things which there's a couple of trends and a bit a couple of things which are coming up quite often on on these podcasts one of them is kind of the educational system and and how it needs to adapt and change and whether it's even fit okay. for purpose yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and I know we've got you know our opinions kind of I think our opinions quite match on that. Um, but let's just change gears a little bit. So cool. You talk about um, the people, the the people who are a bit mischievous in learning development. Who yes. Who are they? You know, maybe give me a couple of names of. Well, two or three names of people who you think are the disruptors, the, the people who have been a little bit mischievous and do things differently. It could be people who are brand new, who are, who are new to the game, or it could be people who've been here for a couple of years, a few years, whatever. Who's is there any names that jump out to you? Cool. Okay. Yeah, and and apart from you, obviously, Danny. Is this aside from you? Oh, cheers, cheers. Because because you're you're one of those you're one of those people, right? I think, like you said, we the. Sort of, I, I, I've, I've learned a lot from, from you. Even like I said, the weird thing is that we've not actually, we've never met face to face before. But I've, I've learned a lot from the way that you, you've approached uh, your work, and sometimes that, is, that's challenged me. Okay. Um, yes. in, 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 a, in a, in a really good way. Um, and somebody, someone who, again, I've, I've not met, but and I've, I've talked to and engaged with a little bit, but absolutely love the work and the, and the way that they think, and also bring. Bring it, bring bring in bring in research and 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 some academic rigor into 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 learning is is uh, Nick Shackleton Jones. Okay. Um, like a lot of the, sort of the way that he, um, certainly the way he writes and the way he crafts sort of messages and he and he tells stories, but but also I think the way that sometimes he he so accurately describes the pervasive nature of 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 human resources and L&D in organizations is, is brilliant. And I think, do you know what I'm thinking? I've probably stolen the phrase mischief makers from him. Okay. Um, uh, it, 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 I, I've probably, I probably nicked that somewhere along the line, but yeah, I, re, I really, I really like, um, really like his work. Um, a, an organization that I've done some work with um, recently called Hyper Island okay. um, are, are brilliant. Um, so, so they're a, they're a, 
they're an educational organisation that their, their business is in is in delivering sort of degree level qualifications mostly and, and working with organisations. But the way in which they do it is is, is brilliant. So um, there's a, a lady called Hazel Swain, a guy called um, Ben Ward, work for Hyper Island, who are who are brilliant. Um, and that kind of their mantra really in terms of building learning experiences is is, is really to challenge and to, um, to sort of to quote Hazel would be to lean in to the discomfort. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and to, to allow that, that discomfort to be part of the learning experience. So, so many times in the past, either I had done this or people that I, w- I was working with had done this where, where you, your, your only goal uh, in terms of delivering uh, a program is it's not learning it's satisfaction so all you want are to people to give you a, a glowing report mm-hmm. um, afterwards um, and, and I don't know 95% score on your evaluation um, questions or whatever it might be and and so actually what you do is you, you do anything within your power to make people more comfortable not less comfortable um, and I sort of think that the, the way that they approach their work is, is, you know, we've had some really, really good experiences. Um, the experiences that we've designed have have been, um, for some people, intensely uncomfortable. Um, and it, but it's that experience that sort of derails the train a little bit, um, makes people reconsider um, how they think, how they consider things, how they, you know, what they believe to be true. Um, so I think Hyper Island generally is an organisation. Hazel and Ben particularly do do really really brilliant stuff. Um, and then another per, another person who who I really like again I, I sort of um, you, again you introduced me to to Jurgen Apollo and particularly his sort of management 3.0 con- concept. You know the idea that that we you know management is not a bad thing. I think uh, what I sense at the moment is le- leadership is a, is a bit more in fashion. Um, and, and management is is not cool anymore. We don't want managers. We don't need managers. When actually there's there's there's, no, there's nothing wrong with 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 the principle of a person having a manager. It's just that um, what what a lot of uh, HR divisions or L and D teach managers to do is wrong. So management needs to be reinvented. You know, it, it was never management was never built to create engaging innovative exciting organizations it was a, it was designed to 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 keep people on task and and sort of whip productivity out of them um and i think a lot of the work that that jürgen does the way he sort of you know a lot a lot of it is is quite playful uh it's informal and and it and it's and it's it's practical as well right it's it's resources yeah um that that he creates and rather than just another bullshit theory or another reinvention of the same old bloody theory it's taking it's taking things and making them practical so that a person can pick them up and use them on a monday uh, rather than a person have to spend another year figuring it out figuring out what the hell you meant by that particular theory so i think in a long and rambling way i think are they sort of three yeah, no, no, um, that's, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, it's yeah. perfect. So, and, and, you know, they all have stuff in common as well. That I think what is that is, is that it's not, again, I wouldn't, wouldn't use the word disruptive necessarily because actually a lot of it is just common sense. Yeah. I think there's so little common sense sometimes in, in our organizations and, and, 
and and sort of across those three examples, it's a lot of it is just common sense. Yeah, it is. It it comes down to the fact of put yourself in the shoes of the user, insert whatever name you want to call them. But actually, what is it we need to do? What what is the actual thing? What we need to do? What rather than give them, rather than give them this whole this whole like random stuff, which you know the theory. Let's talk about the theory, for instance. So there was an induction which I, I got asked to redesign a while back, and yeah. um, I was like, right, okay, yeah, give it me. Let me. So I ripped the induction apart, and I said, why is it on every single module we're telling? And in this case, I think it might have been. Might have been technical customer service or something. I can't remember now. It was a while back. I was like, "Why are we telling them about the theory of everything? They don't need to yeah. know the theory behind this. They just need to know how to do their job better. It's it's literally yeah. that simple." Um. So I think when you start talking about theories, so as soon as, as soon as someone starts quoting theories to me, I switch off because I think it's the quickest way to hide around the flaws of your own knowledge on insert subject. You know, let's look yeah. at this theory. Well, no, how about we don't? How about we just look at it from a really simple, common sense approach? I don't need to know the theory of it. We're all human. We all engage with each other. So I don't need to know the theory of what someone's probably invented years and years and years ago. And it's probably either never adapted to the life change of people. So it's just theory, yeah, yeah. It stresses me out. Exactly, really. mate. It's exactly that. Sometimes it's the theory's the safety blanket for L&D, right? Yeah. Or for HR, you know, if, if, if there's always this theory, and, and actually, my job is just to just just to pass this on yeah. to people. Uh, exactly like you said, in start, what what does what do the users actually need, yeah. and how do how do we design this organisation better so, so that they can do their their organise they, they could do their job more more easily? Exactly like you said, like most people just want to. Yeah. Most people want simplification of an organization. They want stuff taken away rather than more stuff adding. Um, and yeah, more more theory is not going to help sort of what is already too complicated. Yeah, there was, um, there was a project which I was working on with someone a couple of months ago now. And again, it was a leadership program, actually. And it was all about having these um, discussions, these conversations, courageous conversations, let's call them. And he was like, yeah, coaching conversations. I was like, right, well, hold on. What do you mean? So I want my, my people, my managers to talk to me like, you know, and have these coaching conversations. Like, realistically, though, we're in a business where they your managers can't get time offline. So we're going to invest insert X amount of money into a coaching conversation. Why don't we have a look at the bigger picture of why our co our managers can't actually get our advisors offline to actually do anything? Never. Why are we investing our money into something which won't ever land yeah. because our people can't yeah. get time with their managers on a one-to-one. -one. So when are we ever going to have these coaching conversations? And two, why, why are we investing loads of time in, you know, doing these whole coaching now managers to be coaches? Why don't we just train them the basics of asking open questions? What, when, why, who, how, where, six bums on the goalpost. Yeah. Tell me, explain to me. I'm like, you want them to be, you want these people to be genuine. So at no point would I ever go, I see where you're coming from, Sam, you know. Yeah. Walk me through that. I'd be like, why do you feel like that? It'd be it would just be real simple questions. But we invested so yeah. much money into it anyway, it didn't see light of day in the end. Um but I just think sometimes we like to throw a lot of money at leadership programmes when the money could be invested yeah. in a bigger and actually 
a more speed to currency and a more a more money investment back to the business with something of actually let's invest it and have a look at why we can't get our people time with our managers in the first place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Solve, solve, solve that problem in the first place. And, I, and I've done that. Come across that before, where fundamentally the the the, the job the job role design of a, of a manager is wrong. Right. So it's so 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 you know, and sometimes this is because the role has been designed wrong in the first place, or or an individual is choosing uh, not not to enact the responsibilities that 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 you would you would want from a manager. But you know, where where sort of where the, where a manager is ninety five percent subject matter expert and only five percent sort of focused on on their people. Yeah. Um, or because of of what they've been taught to do, you know, in previous organisations or by L and D, that they're actually they've got the wrong idea, wrong wrong ideas or wrong approach in terms of management, and and exactly like that, you imagine that you pick that person up who's, so we pick that person up whose job job role design is wrong, right? So they spend about five percent of their time with the people, the rest of the time they're doing projects and tasks and all that kind of stuff. We send them on a course, I don't know, six week, eight week, ten month, whatever coaching qualification and they come back and the only time that they've got within their role to even apply any of the learning if it was relevant or it meant anything to them that aside they've only got five percent of their time to to apply that to the conversations they have with their people anyway yeah so there's a diff there's a different problem that we need to solve first not just you know exactly like you say not you know not just let's let's do a coaching program now um, which often, as well, I found scares a lot of managers. These these big, you know, doing a coaching qualification where where you're talking about codes of ethics and uh, moral boundaries and all of this kind of stuff, uh, and they've got assignments to do and all of this kind of thing. Actually, it has the exact opposite effect. So you want that program to get them to coach, and actually, the last thing they're thinking about doing ever is coaching. Yeah. Because it sounds like this massive, grand, over-glorified thing with with its own code of ethics and contracting and all this kind of stuff, and 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 then people don't ask the questions that you mentioned before. Yeah, people I, don't say why and dig a bit deeper. And it's not that we we also make a giant assumption that these managers want to be coaches. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good point. We, we turn around to and go, yeah, well, we're going to do this coaching program, and as a manager, you're going to go on this program. Actually, no, I don't want to do a coaching program. Thanks for making that giant assumption. And there's a piece to say, well, is it not a whole thing of we have to get our manager's mindsets changed different to actually, yeah, you are a manager, but you're going to be kind of coming into a bit of a coaching manager. It's Sam, I'm aware um, it's half past three. You need to shoot off, don't you? Um, you know, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a bit of time, actually. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll, I'll crop this bit out. But, um, yeah, no, my, uh, my 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 wife sneakily uh, knocked on the win- knocked on the window before and said she'd got back early. Oh, hero! Yeah, cool. So, um, so we know about some of the people that miss chief makers, and um, and we know we've talked about kind of, well, we just went off on a mad man- tangent again, but it's, it, it, this is exactly what I want. So, cool. I guess what's with your role? How would you explain what you do? So let's say OD, what you do, how do you explain it to how would you explain it to a three year old? Oh man. <laughs> that's um 
right that's a, that's okay right so it, what 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 i want to do is now and i'll say company instead of organization if i'm saying this to a three-year-old yeah. so i want a company to feel like a really nice place to be a great place to be because if that company is somewhere you want to go and you can do everything that you want to do really easily and everything you need to do really easily, the company gets better. Okay. So whether the company wants to make more money or change people's lives or whatever that might be, it can do it better when it's people can do what they need to do more easily. Okay. How was that? I like it. I like it. It's good. That was there. That's, that's really that's really hard yeah. thing to do. Actually, I might need to. I'll 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 work on that. But that's that's it for me, you know. And how I wouldn't explain it to a three year old would be to just make an organisation a less shitty place, <laughs> so it can so it can achieve what it wants to achieve more easily. Yeah, it's it it is brilliant. I love it. Open and honest there. So what um we you know we talk about kind of organizational development and stuff like that but if if you had to give a book a resource or yeah a book or a resource and you had to give it as a gift to three people what would that book or resource be that's that's good um i i would maybe give if it was a if it was a book um I would uh I would give maybe um Daring Greatly okay. by Brene Brown. Daring um Okay, and why why that Brene Brown is awesome. She's she's an American um qualitative uh, researcher and academic um who 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 researches shame and vulnerability. Okay. Um, and I think sort of, and, and that book, Daring Greatly, is sort of, you know, it's full of just, it's almost like a roadmap to living more wholeheartedly, um, to ditching things again. But back to back to your sort of keyword, Danny, about authenticity. You know, how to how to drop the mask, um, and 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 well, not just how to drop it, but but why why you should, you know, the prices that that we pay. Uh, for being inauthentic and not not being our true selves and not speaking in our own voice, um, I think that is a, that's a yeah that is it's it's a really good book uh, and it's not I mean a bit counter contradictory maybe to some of the stuff I've said before it's not it's not hugely practical um, but it does it does hit some things home um, particularly things that actually. It's, such a huge amount of people struggle with in the context of work, which is not believing they're good enough. Okay. Um, and 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 she talks really eloquently, and uh, her research sort of um, really um, kind of gets gets underneath that. And actually, it was it was given to me as a gift as well by uh, by um, somebody I used to work with. Um, and and so I think it's kind of one of those things. It, it left a, an impression on me, and I think that, that'd be nice. That'd be nice to pass on. Okay. And is it is it fair to say? And I'm making an assumption here. Is it fair to say that this say this book helped shape you, or is it another book which jumps out, which had a, a bigger impact on you personally? 
Um, I, I know I would I would say that's that's probably um, that's that's left a real impression on me. And don't don't get me wrong, Danny. It's one of those things. It it takes it takes discipline um, to 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 really to really become a more wholehearted person. To to shake off some of the things that don't help us. You know, all these things like believing that things should always go our way and. Um, joy suppression all that kind of stuff it's it's really difficult but it's 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 massively particularly at work has helped me to be to be a much better person to be much truer to myself and actually to realize that the cost of not saying how you're feeling or not saying what you think about project x y or z that the cost of not doing that is so much greater than the risk of doing it in the first place um so it's 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 it has massively shaped the way that I I sort of am as a person, um, in work and out of work actually. Yeah, and I think I think you know, a lot of, a lot of books what people recommend they don't necessarily always have to be professional because a great book you can read over and over again and take something out of it depending on where you are in life. You know, I think a good book A Man's Search for Meaning. I've read that two three times yeah. and each time i've read it i've took something different from it and each time i've been in a different aspect of my life you know and something different was going on at that point and I, I think with a great book it you know a great book will always overlap professional and personal anyway that's it that's it and and it's it's something that i i come back to you know i'll, I'll sort of revisit it and and sometimes it's just it's just a reminder of some of this these things especially you know sometimes that the, the the kind of work that we do is it's not easy when when there are um perhaps the, you know mindsets need changing or or an organization needs to shift its culture and therefore you know the, a, a, per, a permanent change of behavior of a, of a lot of people um that sometimes it's quite tough going um as, you know when you're dealing with a lot of the legacy stuff that we talked about in in hr and l and d that doesn't that doesn't really help um the complexity, the fact that organisations are so complex, um, sometimes it's just hard to cut through all the all the crap. Um, I I found it a, just a, re, a really good book and a really good sort of set of ideas and principles and research to come back to to remind yourself that actually, you know, you are you are good enough. Um, you know, mistakes mistakes and all. Um, you're just you're still worthy of 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 what Brene would say, you know, love and attention. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I've 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 never heard of that book, so I'm I'll definitely add that one to the list for sure. So and I guess some of these questions are, are meant to be a little bit fire round, but honestly Sam, if, if you're not if you're not if you, if you can't give like a fire round answer and you want to delve into it a little bit more, by all means go for it. Um cool. so if I was to say to you you have to pick two hours out of your whole working life and you have to relive these two hours over and over and over again. Which two hours would it be? And it can't be your lunch. Okay, right. I've got to live them over and over again. Yeah. So maybe um, you know, maybe it's creative design, maybe it's delivery, maybe it's everything in between. You know, which which aspect would that be? Well, to, there was there was a there was a program I mentioned before that we've been working with a company called Hyper Island. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, this this this. Uh, sort of challenge lab, innovation lab type, two days that we put together, and I was involved in that. So decided not to sort of passively 
observe it from the outside to be in it and and if i could relive a particularly sort of the, the sort of middle section of that first day over and over again then that would be a pretty good existence okay. um yeah okay cool so picture this sam yeah you're working out from maybe it's a football stadium maybe it's a gig i don't know wherever and you've rented out this massive billboard and the idea is that everyone who comes out of the stadium this um this gig sees this billboard and the idea is is your message or your quote or whatever will have a butterfly flat on everyone who sees that and rippling outwards what would be the message you'd put on there oh man um that's a that's a good question so it'd have to be pretty successful maybe, maybe it would be really sort of stark bold you know like almost like black and white bold text some something like stop pretending that we don't need to exist with other people okay some okay. something like something like that okay i like that and i kind of think that i, w- I won't go into this too much because right? I, I know you told me to be succinct which is something that i'm i'm working on personally but um I think in organisations and other aspects of our life, we forget that the decisions we make have this systemic impact that, that's, that's, that's much wider. And I think sometimes we, we pretend that, that we don't need other people to, to, to coexist, to make our choices uh, uh, easier or to, 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 to duck out of a, something difficult. No, I like that. I like that. So, random question: If Mickey is a mouse, Donald is a duck. What's Goofy? Um, is he a dog? Well, Pluto's a dog. Goofy has a hat and drives a car. So what? Oh that? yeah. That, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe is he like their social worker or something? <laughs> um, so I'll leave that one for you, Sam, because then you can Google it later on. Um, <laughs> yes, I will. That, that's 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 could be the most profound question of all, and it's probably going to be the best one to be honest. So, <laughs> I guess in the whole time, you know, we're always developing. We're always getting better at what we're doing. We're always learning from our mistakes and whatever else. But what is what's the one thing you've got better at in the last five years? What's the one thing you've got better at saying no to in the last five years? Um. I said, well, I'm better at saying no. Okay. For for, for a start, but de- definitely, um, in terms of, I'm particular. I guess what what I'm better at saying no to now is is when someone rocks up and says, "Can we deliver this course or this workshop?" Or I want, you know, we want to do this training. Can you sort it out? Okay. Is that that I'm far more equipped now to to um, again a point we've we've made a few times already. Let's let's go and look underneath the surface and find what the actual need is, what's driving X, Y, or Z behaviour, and what we need to do to to, to drive others. Um, yeah, much much better at saying no. I'm not doing that stuff. Okay, I like that. So, what's? I guess you know we we come from like a design delivery OD background. What's what's a one tip? And maybe it's design. Maybe I don't. You pick. But what's the one tip you would give in order to to give to someone to make them kind of 10x the work, make the work 
much more efficient and much more better and speedier. Is there any any tips what jump out to you? And maybe it's something uh, you've learned. I don't know. Yeah, I probably, you know me, I probably can't give this, I probably can't give one. Um, I would say visualization, visualizing your work is, is, re- is really useful. Um, not, you know, n- stop writing um, big business cases and proposals and all of this kind of stuff is, is visualize stuff. Um, you know, using, use, use images and graphics to map out, map out a process and find bugs in it. Um, even, even visualizing your work in terms of like what you've got on your plate and helping you to understand where priorities are, that kind of thing. I think particularly in 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 learning and working in a, in in an organisation, visualization is really really powerful. Um, and then I think back to what we said almost at the start is is pilot and scale. Um, that, you know, I think. It's, that's one. That's been one of the biggest lessons for me. And I don't, and I still don't always do it. And, and still, in organisations, you can get swept away with the big, uh, with, with the big projects. Particularly when you work in OD and think that it's the, the whole point is that it's organisation wide and it's, it's systemic. But actually, doing these big, um, ginormous sourcing and all dancing launches and and fanfares with fireworks and glitter and unicorns and stuff, it it just it just doesn't it doesn't help and you know getting a having a brilliant question a wicked question that's the right question and going out and testing testing that that question or that hypothesis and then finding an energized group of people who can you know then you can leverage that, that those little experiments into massive changes if you want to but, but the most important thing is is doing that um iteration that that experimenting in the first place okay so i mean in in our world you know in the modern world now we kind of get data overload we get stressed we've got stuff going on we've got you know life is life and i guess it, it you know recently I've, I've been quite stressed recently i guess question to them sam is you know at any point when you get stressed or you find yourself you're focused you're losing focus on what's going on how do you how do you regain focus? What's your little tips and tricks? How do you stop the stress? How do you stop the refocus? And I guess, yeah, how do you, and, and I suppose another branching question off that is how do you, how do you switch off? Yeah. Um, good, good question. So like switching off and relaxing and that kind of stuff is, is a couple of things. Like m- music always helps me. Um, so even if I'm at work, like I'll, I'll stick, I'll stick some music on whilst I'm working and it just sort of helps too. Um, it'll be, it brings focus to that particular piece of work and, and can get rid of like other distractions, things that are, um, that, that might be bugging me elsewhere. Um, I think one thing I found as, as a, as a bit of a technique, um, to really help, minimize overload is is to use um to use kanban um but to use it like a personal kanban so uh, rather than sort of sort of the agile agile methodology um that you might use in in teams a lot of it and digital teams use it for delivery is is just i have three columns um so one for one for all of my options so they're all of the things i call that column 
options because it's all the things that I could be working on. So it's all the stuff that needs needs to happen, but but um, they're, they're just in one column. Then my middle column is my work in progress, and and only uh, to limit my work in progress to three things at any one time. Okay. So my options column could be full of stuff that needs to happen, but actually I could only focus on three things at once. Uh, and then my my final column is my done column. So again, it's it's to my to my tip before that I would give to to do have more visualization, more imagery in the work that we do. Uh, Kanban is is really good because it helps you to visualize your work. Um, so I can see everything I've got on my plate, what I'm working on, and everything that's done. Um, and I find that really helps to minimize uh, overload. Um, I used to really struggle um, when I had a to-do list. Um, that the, the to-do list would just keep growing, and I was never scribbling off, marking off enough stuff. Um, and it was almost like the to-do list became like a like a, a nagging self-doubt in the back of my mind, like, oh, think of all that stuff you've not done this week. Um, and sort of moving away from that has, has really helped and actually something really useful is, is instead of a to-do list to do a to-done list um, so instead of writing down all of the things that you've still got to do just take some time sit down and write down all the things that you have done um, maybe over the last week or the last month or whatever just scribble it all down and and it's incredible actually the amount of stuff that we do do and and so much of that stuff would never make it on your to-do list in the first place yeah because it's not a project or a task or an action it was just maybe it's that you had some human contact with some you know a, a colleague needed some help and you and you and you and you sorted them out you had a really powerful conversation with someone or what whatever it might be you averted a disaster um there's so much stuff that we never give ourselves any credit for because it never makes it onto any onto any list, um, and it doesn't need to. You know, we don't. But actually, it's just to, that kind of to-do list sort of concept. Just sit down, write down all the things that we achieved. Where did where did we where did we win? Um, what, what have I what have I managed to do? Can can really help. Um, just just sometimes to give yourself a bit of credit. That that kind of helps me if. If there's been a lot of stuff on my plate, sometimes can't see the wood for the trees. Just, just stop and do that. Okay, cool. So, I guess getting to know a little bit more about Sam, what's what's a most unusual um, habit or yeah, unusual or absurd habit what you do? Tell me a little bit more about Sam. Can there's anything like, for instance, I was talking to someone yesterday who said they talked to the sat nav while driving. And I'm like, okay. Nice. Yeah, so is there any unusual random habit what you have? What, well, what you're more than happy to share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Let's, um, we'll keep it PG. Um, so um, I, do, I do have the tendency to, to, to sing a lot and at really random times. Um, so so I, I think sometimes it kind of might annoy or frustrate some people I work work with, but... Maybe if I've got my headphones on or whatever, you know, I'm conscious that I'm in the office, I'm listening to music, but sometimes I just can't help myself and I'll just start singing. Or to be honest, it happens, Danny, when I've not even got music on. I'll just, I'll just sing. Um, and it's, sometimes it's a bit, it's, it's, it's quite random. It's almost like it's a, a reflex I can't control. I'm, I'm sure I can, but um, I'll just, 
I'll just think, and it and it probably happens a good like five six times an hour. Okay. I'll just I'll just burst out singing. So what's what's your what's your go to song? Do you have a go to song when you're a bit flat and a bit down, and this this song guarantees you p- to pick you up and handle um, the energy levels? Do you have like a, a song? Um, do you know what? I pr- no, I probably don't have. I probably don't have a song. I have I have a band at the moment. Okay. That, um, so so I will I will stick their albums on called um, American band called Dance Gavin Dance. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, if I if I stick that on, I seem to be I, I can get in the zone when I'm listening to particularly like their their last two albums. Okay, this is good. This is good. So, what is there anything what you're learning right now? Like you know. We know, we know, professional Sam. But I'm talking personal Sam. Is there anything what you've done, any hobby what you've took up recently, or is there anything new what you're learning right now? Or is, yeah, just a hobby in general. Um, yeah. So we 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 recently we moved house just before Christmas. Okay. And it's not like it doesn't need a full. It's not like full re- renovation kind of job, but it did. It it needs like a fair bit of work, um, and um, the the budget is not massive. Um, so there's a lot that I'm sort of having to do do myself. So I mean, even even yesterday, so it was a bit of um, electrics, um, sort of um, l- learning how to to fit an, an outside light at the front of the house and all of this kind of stuff. And, and again, it's like a lot of it is is try and see, try try and break it. And I know you obviously need to be pretty careful when it comes to electricity and I promise I turned it off at the mains um, before I started experimenting but um, yeah there's, there's, there's loads really, a bit of joinery okay. all, of, all of this kind of stuff just to, um, and it's, yeah it's quite a steep learning curve actually. Okay so let me ask you this how did you learn it? How did you I keep using the word learn but how did you seek the information needed to do that? Um, well, it's 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 um, uh, YouTube primarily. It's like YouTube is my guide, my uh, um, my coach, if you like, uh, and then actually just using using the videos whilst I'm um, whilst whilst I'm actually doing the doing. Um, so it, it kind of for a lot of this stuff, I find it just for me particularly, it just doesn't work to be removed from the actual the actual thing that I'm doing, okay. um, the, the actual work. So I probably just wouldn't, uh, you know, absorb it, you know, like let's say fitting new kitchen worktops or whatever that, that I will, I will sort of do that whilst sort of got, got the video tutorial on, um, and just sort of pausing it and then doing a bit more and play again. Um, and actually it's been a really good sort of example, I guess, of how you can use, sort of digital resources to 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 get better um and, and more skilled whilst you're having an experience okay so a couple more questions Sam, and then i think we yeah we're, we're pretty much done then so awesome. what's i guess what let's use the word learning but what's the future of learning for sam what do you think the future looks like um Future, like more holistically, or just for me? Dad? You mean sort of from my perspective? Yeah. So it's kind of a open-ended question because you can take it however you like, and you can take it in whichever direction you want to go with it, Sam. Yeah. Um, so, so I think it's it's um, there are a few things I think are more kind of 
a more intelligent use of technology and learning i think is 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 really important because um obviously you know most people are sort of familiar with with learning management systems and all, all of this kind of stuff um and 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 i think that sometimes um technology gets a bit of a bad rap um in in learning but i i think that's primarily because of of most people's frame of reference for that is still e-learning not giving people really good well-designed resources that help them to do their jobs more effectively that help them to navigate the the, the organization um and stuff that they've got um sort of in in the moment so i think like a more, more intelligent use of technology and i think we're back to a point we, we've probably made like four or five times now about understand what the actual need is before we apply a technology solution rather than just sort of say oh we need a new lms so let's just bring this this new version in um i i and i, I think for me the, the big thing is kind of it's um as you know i mentioned like at the very start about me wanting to be an architect when I grew up. Yeah. Um, and kind of now I still sort of think that I want to be an architect, but, but, but in a, in a different way. And the, it's, it's being an architect for the, for the organization to design an organization from, from like a, a human perspective anyway, from human processes and systems and people, how they all interact. It's designing that, that organization the framework so that it's really user-friendly yeah and that people actually want to be it's, it's a place that people want to be uh, and 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 the experience that they have is positive like when you walk into a really well-designed building or an incredibly well-designed airport or whatever it might be it's it's a it's a place that you can use without any effort and i kind of think that there's something in that um sort of concept from a from an organizational learning and sort of a, a, an organizational development point of view is is to be an architect for the organization to design the frameworks and the system that, that, that people want to use it and it and it and it works rather than just kind of leaving the context and the the, the framework of the organization the same and throwing more content at them okay so again, you know, I think that, that technology will play a big part, but like I say, it's like the intelligent use of it as, as part of that. The technology can be part of that architecture. Okay, so, so, I guess let's let's fast forward. So there's an 80 year old version of you, okay? Yeah. And you can tap into this 80 year old version of you right now. What what sort of information? Um, do you think what well yeah what bit of advice would the 80 year old give you now which you're still struggling to take at the moment that's a really good question um i i i think he would probably say um something maybe it'd even be as inspirational as this is 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 don't is don't give up and don't or don't or actually not not quite that but don't back out don't okay. back away from 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 the challenge lean into it and go with it because i think that you know a lot of the stuff that we that we sort of talked about and had a bit of a laugh about that we kind of think is 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 not right or is or is wrong with organizations with hr with l and d um 
that it's really difficult to to um, to change to change mindsets and get people to to understand that that um, if we want to engineer some of this stuff out of an organisation, that we've got to have new ways of thinking to to, to engineer new things in, um, and and I guess like you know I'm hoping that an 80 year old me would would be saying keep keep leaning into it don't don't back out of it because sometimes the easiest option is just to sort of sod it and say right we'll we'll run the course or okay we'll 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 just we'll just you know do it the same way but we'll do a new poster and make it look like it's a, like it's a change yeah. um so I'm 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 hoping that's what I could uh, look back and say that sort of leaning into the challenge was 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 worth it. Um, okay. And and often shifts they take a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if, when when something new comes along, that 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 changes a practice or or a system that sometimes it gets viewed with a bit of suspicion or cynicism. So it's um yeah, lean into the challenge. Okay. So, um, we talked about, you know, when you was in school, you worked to be an architect and a good book, which come to mind, um, is called a, I think it's a book I read a while back. Um, and I, I dipped in and out of it. So to say I read it, um, page to page is, is probably would be a lie, but it's a book called, yeah. um, a pattern language. Have you ever heard of that? Okay. I have not. So it talks about how when you go into buildings, how when you, you know, the design of a building, the little things that you don't notice, i.e. the taller ceilings versus the smaller ceilings. And it's all yeah. about design of buildings, but actually the design of buildings and how it impacts you emotionally. So awesome. yeah, maybe give that a check out. But Yeah, man, that's, what, that's great. So excluding being an architect right now, or maybe it's not being an architect, you know, it's completely open this one, I guess. Yeah. So we, we, we are always we're always growing we never really truly grow up that's my take on it we just you know we adapt we change but we never really truly grow up and we're always learning so yeah. if i was to ask you a question now of what do you want to be when you grow up sam what do you want to be when you grow up yeah that's well i think it would be it, it, it would i think i would love to sort of head up like a, a, a team in an organisation, you know, an organisation that's got that willingness to genuinely change its rhythm, to change the the, the, the whole context of the place. Um, it, it'd be like to head up a team that were, that were building those those frameworks that we were going to help to build. I'm going to do it, like we said, with the organisation through experimenting, through testing, through iteration, um, to 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 be architects for that organisation. And you know to do it in a way how how you know like how a user experience designer would design an, an interface for customers. Yeah. Is is to to be a team of people who are doing that for the organisation, so that when people interact with 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 sort of each other and with the organisation and and with the tools and and practices that that we've built is is that that it 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 feels useful. It feels it feels good. And it and it and it gener it generates that energy from 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 people actually doing the work. So I, I kind of find sometimes organisations are looking for superficial or transactional ways for for the organisation to to be a better place. So um, you know things like that will will you know give people free fruit and massages and 
um, look at look at the benefits package and strengthen that and all of this kind of stuff, which I think is all is all cool and it can all it can all work. But fundamentally, if your if your job is shit, your manager is shit, and 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 you the, the whole your whole job the, the design of your work is demotivating, then none of this stuff is 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 really the right improvement. Yeah. And it's it's getting those things right in the in the first place, you know, to design an organisation where where people's jobs are actually you know root to branch are exciting and meaningful and all of that kind of stuff. That would that that's that's the kind of work I'd like to do when I grow up. Definitely. This is good. So last question, and then yeah, we'll be on our way. So I asked you right at the very beginning to pick four random numbers. Um, yes. These random numbers are tallied to a random list of objects which I've put together. So you okay. picked four random numbers and you picked 13, 23, 30 and 75. Yeah. So what that gives you is a stop sign, a picture frame, a cookie jar and some lip gloss. So here's the thing, Sam. You're on a desert island, yeah? Yeah. And you found these four items. What are you going to do with them? Man. So I've got a stop sign. Yeah. A picture, a picture frame. frame. Yeah. A cookie jar. Uh, yeah. And a lip and some and a lip, lip gloss. And a a lip gloss. So is is the um is is the uh is the cookie jar got anything in it? Let's say for argument's sake, yeah. It's got some yeah. cookies in. Right, so so I'm guessing that would be flat out the, the simplest one would be a good source of of food immediately. maybe long term the jar could be used to to to, uh, to catch rainwater or something. Okay. Um, if I, if I'm struggling for a source of water, I'm wondering maybe the lip gloss might have some kind of UV protection in it, so might might be able to sort of uh, put 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 that on to uh, to stop the effects of uh, of sunburn. Okay. Um, and getting getting really dry dry lips, that kind of thing. Um, the picture frame, maybe I could use a bit more artistically creatively and sort of use use things around me to make a bit of a picture of home um something to kind of um you know recreate a memory or whatever to to do something in in the picture frame that reminded me of home and might be a bit of inspiration and motivation to uh to keep surviving on this desert island um and maybe the stop sign maybe might be good for attracting attention right okay so they're quite big. It's quite you know bright red, white letters. Maybe I could angle it somewhere to try and attract attention from passing helicopters or planes or ships, something like that. I like it. I like it. Cheers, Sam. So, where can people find out a little bit more about Sam? Um, so it would be. I mean, primarily like LinkedIn is a is a pretty good place. Okay. Um, so, um. I tend, I tend to kind of, um, I, I, you know, I love things like the, like the personal learning network where where we first we first met um, in terms of sharing ideas, all that kind of stuff. But more more openly, um, it would it would just be to um, yeah to to connect with me on on LinkedIn. Okay, uh, it's probably the best place. Perfect. Right, Sam. Well, I think we're pretty much done. I know we could have jumped into kind of a lot more. Um, subjects and very specific on subjects areas and that's probably something what's going to be coming in season two season one predominantly cool. is all about the people and yeah sam i think i think we've got a good insight into who sam is yeah awesome 
Right, <laughs> that's that's good. So you 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 got what you needed from me, Danny. I did indeed, Sam. I did indeed. Excellent. <laughs> that's good. Awesome. All right. Well, cheers for that, Sam. Cool. Catch you nice later. Nice one, Danny. Really good to talk to you, mate. Cheers. Bye bye.